0: You're listening to a podcast by the BCG Henderson Institute, BCG's Think Tank. In this series, hosted by fellow Dave Young, we'll interview business leaders and explore how companies can build competitive advantage by creating a sustainable world. Now on to our episode.
1: Christine, it's a joy to have you with us today. And you have such an illustrious career and have been so much at the forefront of thinking and promoting a deeper understanding of sustainability within business. We're so happy to have you share that with us today. But by means of introduction to our listeners, could you please share a few highlights of your professional journey and how did you come to focus on business sustainability and actually think about it as part of business just naturally?
0: Thank you, Dave. So um, I was, uh, as you know, lucky to spend eight years within the Veolia group. Veolia Group is a French company dealing with access to water, sanitation, energy and waste management. And I was lucky to work with Antoine Frérot, who is Veolia's CEO. And uh, Antoine has always been very convinced about the fact that sustainability needed to be totally embedded into the core business strategy of the company for several reasons that I might explain uh, later on. But the difficult part was about convincing the people inside the company that by uh, doing more sustainability, this would be good for the business as well. So I spent several years trying to, and with success, to convince my colleagues about this topic. Afterwards, I joined another French company, the Renault Group. And again, I was working for the CEO. This time, my job was about increasing the social and environmental impact of Renault Group. So, again, the idea here was to build an internal task force with the CFO, the HR manager, some site managers, in order, again, to make sure that social and environmental topics were totally embedded into the core business strategy which does not mean that people were not focusing about their social and environmental impact before but it was you know on the side and it was not completely part of the core business strategy so the idea here was to say okay from now on we are going to look at our economical and financial impact of course and I mean, any private company should be focusing on um, economic results. But at the same level, we will look at our social and environmental impact.
1: Christine, thank you. Thank you very much for that. What an exciting way to sort of really see how and lead how it can take hold inside companies. What evolution you know, have you seen in the field in some ways it people are kind of catching up to what the leaders have been working on for many years right now. And that's encouraging because we have all this good conversation going on about ESG and the importance of sustainability and people planet, profit. And that's wonderful here in Business Dialogues, but we know it's hard to do. But if you think about the evolution that you've seen, what have you seen today? How is this maturing?
0: You know, a few years ago, many companies were actually looking at their social and environmental impact, but the responsibility was upon the uh, CSR person or the communication manager or, you know, the public affairs people. So I don't think that any company would just do business as usual without looking at their social and environmental impact, but it was left on the side to the communication person or to the champion sometimes, an operational people who would say, well, you know, it's important for me to deal with these topics if I want to do a good business. But it was not completely embedded in the core business strategy. A few years ago, I saw an evolution and I saw that the people talking about this topic of sustainability was not anymore just the communication person, or just the champion of the company. It would be, for example, a site manager, or the person in charge of a strategy, or sometimes the CEO, which I thought was a very good sign. But most of the time, they would talk about the environmental impact. Because the regulation was there, putting pressure on them, or because... NGOs were also asking them questions or because they thought that it would be easier to design an environmental impact strategy, easier to decide upon the proper KPIs. This was, I think, a shame because a lot of efforts were made on the environmental side of things, but sometimes they would forget a little bit about their social impact. And we know, especially in the context that we have today, that social impact, this is my belief anyway, is as important as environmental impact. What I see today, and I think it's linked to some extent to COVID crisis, is that these, the same companies are saying today, okay, it's very important for me to be focusing also on social topics. Because I can do my business properly if I watch environmental topics, but also social topics. And a very good sign for me is the fact that companies I advise today are asking me to help them reshape their materiality matrix. To sum up, maybe, I think we went from sustainability being a communication topic to sustainability becoming a much more strategic topic, but focusing a lot on environmental issues to a situation today where social topics become as important as environmental topics.
1: Where do you see the next steps going for companies today?
0: The next frontier will be, how do we look at it? Do we keep that as a corporate discussion? And the CEO is talking about it, and all the key uh, managers are discussing it. But are we sure that this is going to be implemented in the sites? Or do we start looking at it at the territories level? And I think, you know, this is the next step. The next step is going to be how do I make sure that everybody in the company is on board and that everybody from now on will be focusing on what is my turnover, what is the margin, what is the cash I'm making here, which, I mean, is very important for a private company, of course. You cannot discuss your social or environmental impact if you're losing money every month. But we'll be looking at the same level at social and environmental impact.
1: Christine, the way you describe it is rather exciting, because if we really say that the goal here is embedding, is actually putting... ESG and environmental and social inside the company so that it simply becomes part of the the business model, the culture, and in many ways, do you see it as helping amplify the purpose of the company, better engagement with employees, putting more, in in some ways, energy into the company?
0: Yes, indeed. And um, I will give you two answers here. The first one is I strongly believe That the benefits of the sustainability uh, strategy are first of all to motivate the people, of course, and I will give you some examples here. Make sure that you attract talented people and also that you keep them. It's a way of boosting your innovation for sure, especially through reverse innovation. And it's a very good way also to have access to uh, new markets. So it's about attracting talents and keeping talents. It's about improving reputation and license to operate. It's about boosting innovation, and last but not least, having access to new market opportunities.
1: That's very interesting. Could you give us an example of that, Christine?
0: Here, let me give you the example of what we developed within um, Veolia. With uh, Antoine Frérot, Veolia CEO, we decided that instead of just selling pipes to cities, we would listen to what cities would have to say to us. And cities said to us, we would like Veolia to help us become more resilient because of climate change, because of globalization, because of all that's happening. We feel that we are facing more and more shocks and stresses, and we don't really know how to deal with that. So here we were saying, well, maybe here we have a good opportunity to show that we will contribute to common good by helping cities becoming more resilient. But at the same time, this will be good for business. So we designed a resilient city strategy whereby Veolia Group would help cities understand better about their strengths and weaknesses, and we would do this mapping of risk and opportunities for cities. And then this would help the city develop an action plan. And of course, the solution would come from private sector and maybe there would be some interesting business for Veolia here. So I launched a first pilot with um, mayor of New Orleans, Mitch Landrieu, Exactly 10 years after Katrina, I mobilized a lot of my colleagues to help Mitch Landrieu design the resilience plan of the city. And at the end of the day, we helped him identify his uh, key, you know, um, materiality topics again here. It's the same idea of the materiality matrix and we designed a national plan. And then it allowed us to bring some solutions coming from Veola. And at the end of the day, we signed a very, very good contract with the city uh, We have a very interesting margin, and it was very good for the business.
1: That's a great example. I imagine this can have been very easy to do, though. What were some of the main challenges uh, that you faced in this work? Can you give us some examples?
0: If I'm honest with you, the fight was not to issue a commercial proposal with the city. It was much more an internal fight, convincing my colleagues that it would be worth spending some time with a mayor, explaining to him what is a risk and opportunity matrix, helping him, you know, putting resource, people with expertise there. And this, I wanted to do that because I wanted to co- contribute to common good. But at the end of the day, it would be very good for the business, not only because we signed a beautiful contract there, but also because when I came back to Paris, I could see that all my colleagues had on their desk the Resilient Cities strategy document that I had prepared with Antoine Frérot. And all of them said to me, especially the young people, but not only the young people, I'm so happy to be working for a company helping cities become more resilient.
1: Christine, it would be interesting to get your thoughts on this notion of walking the talk, which is a phrase we sometimes, we sometimes use. There's been articles recently in The Economist, a number of studies released, articles in other magazines that have begun to raise questions about, can we trust companies? You know, they've all said good things about responding to the environment or responding to COVID or responding to the movement for racial equity. And yet, when we look at their actions, they don't necessarily, it's not obvious that what they're doing is actually lining up with with what they're saying. Now, one could take the cynical view, right, that they're saying what they need to say in order to get through a trend. The other view is to say, no, they're serious about what they're saying, but this is hard to do. It's hard to take it and embed it into the business and for the business to change. Sort of, how are you seeing it? I mean, I, I think most people that that i work with and know i think are they're very sincere about wanting to make these things happen um, happen through the business so i tend to believe this really reflects more the challenge of trying to make it happen trying to make it real trying to yeah. bet it in the business how do you see it what is the magic to walking the talk
0: it's a very important question here and i understand people who are asking is it really true you know when they look at a company saying I'm dealing with a lot of important common good issues, but sometimes what people see is companies doing many, many, many little things. And when you don't have a proper sustainability strategy, this is why I think it's so important to have a sustainability strategy and to have it totally embedded in the core business strategy. If you don't do that, then you have all your site managers, for example, dealing with demands the whole day coming from the local school, from the local NGO, and so on. And they tend to do a lot of very, very small actions. And at the end of the day, it's not clear what the impact of a company is. Let me take here the example of Group Renault. When I joined, I found that the group had eight local foundations dealing with very important topics. But at the end of the day, if I had to tell you this is the impact that Group Renault is having, I would be unable to do so. So what I decided to do was to design the proper sustainable strategy and link it totally to the business, saying from now on we will try and contribute to a safer, more inclusive and more sustainable mobility. This is quite a broad scope. So we still have a lot to do and all the employees of Renault Group, I'm sure they will find some very good ideas and they will be happy to contribute. But at the same time, it's easier for me to show to my stakeholders that I'm really delivering some impact.
1: That's a very powerful notion, Christine, aligning the foundation focus to the business sustainability strategy in order to tell a coherent story and create consistency in action. That's very powerful. Are there examples in your work where you found that models that might initially have been philanthropic were later taken on by the business to scale up and become sustainable business models?
0: In Veolia Group, the foundation is Sending people when you have, you know, an emergency situation, for example, a huge flooding situation in a city, then they send a plane with some Veolia people who know how to rebuild the pipes. But it takes a lot of time, and in the meantime, they also send some mobile units in order to make sure that people can drink water. These mobile units, they tested it in the formation. so totally philanthropic view, just to help people, you know, with, of course, no business model here, just, uh, you know, a foundation topic. But it worked so well that the business started looking at it and they said, oh, come on, here, it's a very interesting solution. Maybe we could scale it up and maybe it could become a solution for refugee camps or for mining companies when they have, you know, temporary cities. And this is actually what happened. Now you have in Veolia a business unit totally dedicated to mobile units, and it's a very profitable one. And it makes me very happy because the more profitable it is, the more I'm sure Veolia will scale it up and will thereby uh, bring safe solutions to more people.
1: Christine, what would be your recommendations for companies to walk the talk? Where should they
0: start? If you want to walk the talk, you'd better listen to your external stakeholders. And if you just do business as usual and you pretend that you're bringing solutions to your stakeholders, but in fact, you don't listen to them because you don't have time and you're dealing with your business, I think you miss a great opportunity. For example, I designed for Veolia CEO a critical friends committee. So it's a committee where I asked someone, a vice president of World Bank, a researcher from MIT, a person in charge of an NGO, 12 international high-level people coming from international institutions, NGO, academic world, media, and I asked them to spend some time with us In fact, twice a year, they would meet around my CEO to challenge him on some topics of his strategy. And the idea was here, okay, your role is to challenge me. So I'm the CEO of Veolia. I want to make sure that I'm bringing proper answers to your needs. So I'm expecting you to challenge me, but also to advise me and also to be ambassadors to my company. So in order to work with the talk, I think it's important if we say that sustainability is totally embedded into the core business strategy, it's absolutely crucial to make sure that as a CEO, you will find a way of listening to what your external stakeholders are expecting from you. And then you say yes, or you say no, but at least you listen
1: to them. That's excellent, Christine. Thank you so much. Very good. And I I really enjoy your examples. And I think it sort of plays to both sides. What's easy, what's hard, what's forward-looking, what's necessary, and how do I manage. So thank you.
0: If you enjoyed today's conversation and would like to be notified on your mobile phone when new episodes are available, Please click the subscribe button to subscribe to the series on the LabCast app.